Welcome to Meet the Leader, the podcast where top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today's leader, Carney's Stefan Marcoux. He'll share how leaders can navigate uncertainty and keep themselves and their teams strong. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please don't forget to rate and review us. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum, and this is Meet the Leader. Your people are the, the most important asset. The best thing you can do is take care of them and uh, not let them down. The world finds itself in a complex moment. From a humanitarian standpoint, there's been the challenge of war and food shortages. From an economic standpoint, there's been inflation and the prospect of a global recession. And while it can be difficult to plan for the future in any context, the fast pace of disruption since the pandemic will make it all the more challenging for some to keep pace with the changes ahead. Stefan Marcoux understands this well. He is a senior partner and managing director at global consultancy Carney. He leads currency for Central Europe and has a background in helping businesses think strategically about transformation. Based in Poland, he's also seen the impact of the Ukraine crisis on colleagues, friends, and loved ones firsthand. I talked to Stefan at the annual meeting in Davos this past May about what leaders should do now to steer their organizations through potential economic uncertainty. He shared both the contingency plans they'll need to make and the traits that they'll need to tap into. He also shared how the pandemic has changed him as a leader and how the past few years have deepened his appreciation for how compassion can help teams better navigate change. It's a hopeful chat that can help any leader tap into man's capacity for good, even in tough times. We'll start with what stands out for him the most in this ever-changing geopolitical climate. Resilience. People, specifically in my uh, part of the world, in Central and Eastern Europe, the resilience of the Ukrainians, the resilience of uh, the people around Ukraine, the amazing, let's say, jump to help them. I'm currently living in Poland, and uh, what is interesting is that uh, Poland took like overnight about 4 million Ukrainians on top of the 1.5 million that they had before. So you can imagine a country that has a population of about 38 million taking overnight another four, basically increasing the population by 10% and making sure that everybody's taken care of. I think that's something that basically strikes you as extraordinary and making sure that every child, every mother, and everybody who managed to get out of the country is, is taken care of in a meaningful way while supporting the Ukrainians back home. I think that was probably something that actually, at the end of the day, makes a huge impression on you every day. There is so much disruption that we've experienced and so much ahead, including the prospect of a global recession. How can leaders prepare? I think it's about contingency planning quite a bit. My part of the world moved from contingency planning for a pandemic to contingency planning for war. I don't think anybody that all of us basically had the chance to do continuously planning for a recession and what that means basically to the, both their own operations as well as their clients. It makes sense to look at your organization right now and look at your um, clients and where the market might go and see if there is something that you can either plan for right now or put uh, some reserves aside so you can actually weather a potential storm. I think it's going to happen probably in a couple of months and maybe a little bit too late for some people. What would those contingency plans consist of? If you're imagining a recession, you, you can imagine that 
demand might drop, you can imagine that financing is it's going to be much more expensive than it is right now. Th those contingencies are there. So you may be careful how much you're spending right now, how much employment you're adding right now. Make sure that you have all your financing sources basically sorted out for the right price. Make sure that you have the right talent on board because you might not be able to replace the best of talent with the quantity. You know, it's going to be very expensive. Make sure that your teams are, are aware of it and uh, are prepared for it as well. Make sure that you take care and you, you communicate to them that it might happen. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're, we're, we're going to go. So all those things need to be put in place. I mean, you need to start at least getting your uh, target audience and your organization ready for the, for the situation. For sure. So this is what I would, I would see as, you know, areas of what you could look at. How would a potential recession, how would that impact developing countries? This is going to impact even more um, value chains which are stretched right now. We're currently in almost the third year of global logistical issues, global shortages of multiple components. I think this is just going to make this, this effect even, even bigger. So it's, it's going to have a multiplier effect to all these problems. And this is going to hit not only developing economies, but it's going to develop, hit all economies. In developing economies, you have generally more vulnerable population, which is going to feel these effects even, even stronger effectively. You know, their jobs are going to disappear. So we might, we might, we might see this, this kind of effects basically also on the social level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and how would a potential recession impact humanitarian efforts that are helping the people of Ukraine? This is becoming a bit of a th theoretical exercise, but... I think the humanitarian aspect of what is currently happening in Central Eastern Europe has, of course, an economic component, but on the other hand, it has also a human, uh, a social and a human component. I will take the last one, the human component as the most important one. Yes, recession might um, make it harder for help to be given to large amounts of population. On the other hand, if you're looking at the last three months of, uh, of this situation, of this war of Russia on Ukraine, and at least what people in Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Romania did, most of the support in terms of humanitarian relief was given by individuals, by individual families, by individual people trying to do good. I don't expect that this is going to stop just because there is a recession, but it might make it a bit more difficult than, than in the past. There are for sure there are going to be less resources around if we're going to have a, a huge, let's say, impact of this recession. But... I believe that at least Eastern Europeans tend to be very, very resilient in terms of in times of crisis. Like we tend to be to become stronger in times of crisis. Also, right now we have a war, but if you're looking at the last twenty something years of history, going out of communism, going through a war in Kosovo and then Serbia, uh, going through different economic crises, and now in you know in this situation, we we seem to be going from one crisis to the other. So we also learn on how to manage these things to a certain extent. So I'm pretty sure that we're we're going to do, you know, we're going to make the, mo the most of it at the end of the day. Do you think that we will be better prepared to handle the maybe the disruption uh, that will come because of the maybe the past two to three years that we've already had? Do you think that we're going to be maybe a little bit better mentally or emotionally able to sort of handle some of the, the chaos that, that may come? Some of us, yes. It's not easy on most are we going to be a little bit more used to managing crisis, crisis situations? And more of us, not just uh, a few you know, uh, managers or politicians? Absolutely. Are we going to be 
stronger probably yes but i think a lot of a lot of people are still are still going to be deeply impacted and affected um are right now they're going to be over the, the, the next couple of years and it's, it's very difficult to to tell how this is going to look like and i'll give you an example there are kids coming out of the war zone and the, the impact on their on their on their emotions is very very strong and it might be there with them for the next decades is this going to make them stronger Probably, but I think it's also going to affect them in, in, in ways that we cannot foresee right now. Mm-hmm. This is not a situation which is special for Eastern Europe. I think we have these situations everywhere. We had it in Syria, we had it in, in, in Lebanon, we had it in Libya, we had it in, in different places all the world where we have conflicts. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a, a, a very close, uh, I'd say, encounter with it right now, and I can see uh, what is the effect on, on, on our friends, colleagues, um, employees, clients, and basically the entire society. Sure. What keeps you up at night these days? It's a complex moment. Like, is there anything that sort of sticks out to you? That like, you know, this is the thing that's really gnawing at me. What is important for me is, is to be able to take care of, my, of the people around me. Uh, loyalty is an important, an important component of my life. So what keeps me up at night is things related to security of my colleagues that are still in Ukraine, for example mental health of colleagues that are in Poland and basically are helping those in Ukraine. Um, how the recession is going to impact also our business and to which extent I'm going to be able to keep everybody in a good economic shape. Looking at the impact of uh, 24-7 uh, news on the war in Ukraine on my daughter, which is six and is asking me what's happening in Ukraine. So these are things that are keeping me these days up at night. What in all this, what helps you navigate it? Again, the same people, <laughs> colleagues, friends close relationships, the fact that I can take my daughter and keep her in my arms. That's lovely. This might be the same answer, but what, what gives you hope? It might be the same answer. <laughs> I think I believe in, in, in kindness and I believe in the human spirit, so I think we're going to be fine at one day. Yeah. The role of business has really been changing. What's the most striking difference maybe now compared to like maybe five or ten years, years from now, the, the, the expectation on business in society? Function is... Um, one, let's say, global community more than uh, the reaction we're going right now, which is basically a fragmented world of small populations and groups of interest. So I think that will be it. Yeah. I think it's difficult to fix any of the big world's problems without being one world team. And I, I've said that I'm, I'm representing a Eastern Europe, but Eastern Europe is not a country. Eastern Europe is not a, a one place. It's a very diverse place, different culture, different languages. Trying to create a team of that is, is complicated, and trying to com- create a global team is even more complicated. So I think that's the what I would like to see one day in the world, and I think this is also the biggest challenge mm-hmm. for all of us. How can leaders meet that expectation to build and convene both in their company and sort of outside their company with others? I think communication is important. Uh, reaching out, also offering their hand when, when uh, people reach out to you. Uh, be open, uh, be generous with your time. I think these are probably the, the things that I'm doing on a normally. So I think this is what I'm expecting from people and hope I'm giving back. So I think that's probably a way to do it. The, the pandemic changed uh, a lot of how people sort of focused and how leaders realized how their maybe employees might be affected by certain things from either the pandemic or even the recent Ukraine crisis. How has it either shaped you as a leader or sort of maybe heightened certain capabilities for you? I have become much more even more caring than I was in the past, I think. Um, I did finally realize uh, the value of some of those words saying, you know, 
esteem, well-being, now actually have a deep understanding of that your people are the, the, the most important asset, that the best thing you can do is take care of, you, of them and uh, not let them down and, and make sure that you offer them everything they need so they can function confidently and uh, without any problems. Delivering that joy at work uh, or trying to make the environment uh, conducive for joy at work. This is how it transformed me and I think what I'm thinking every day, you know, what is, what is next is I'm thinking, okay, where is my team? How are they feeling? Are they okay? Is there anything I can do for them? Uh, can I offer more time? Can I offer other assets to enable them to function to the level they would like to? Or just, or sometimes just, just, just listen to them. Just make sure that they feel heard. You don't always need to solve problems. Sometimes it's just it's enough that you're there. I have internalized those elements. I think this is basically how it changed me. It became less of a, we need to deliver the result. It became more of a, we need to be the best team in the best conditions possible. And I'm sure that, we, that if we make all the right steps for us, we're also going to be good economically. Mm-hmm. How do you deliver joy at work? <laughs> no, that's, I was actually having a discussion with another colleague just about this topic. And how do you actually create an environment that's conducive for joy at work? You know, the, the, there will be generic things which uh, you'd say, you know, uh, you, you need to make it possible for people to, to be themselves uh, and to do what they like to do uh, at work. So you, and, and the only way to do that is also to listen to them. Sometimes you need to coach some people. Sometimes you just uh, need to listen to what they would like to do and allow them to do that, or at least find, put them in the position to do that. And sometimes just be sensitive to their, to their needs, uh, for them to be who they need to be, or who they are at home, to be able to be where they, where they are at work as well. To not have to be you know, multiple personalities and be to, be to be able to function. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, if you get some of these things right, it's hard to guarantee for everybody, but I think for a lot of people it's probably going to be good when you wake up in the morning and it's like, I'm, I'm going to go to that work because I like being there with those people. I feel good with myself in my skin with those people around me and I'm doing what I want to do. So I'm probably mildly happy at least. <laughs> Listen to them, engage with them, offer your time, be generous with your, uh, with your time, be generous with resources that you have at your disposal, make sure that everybody is heard, communicate as frequently as possible, be close to them. That was Stefan Marcoux. Thanks to him, and thanks to you for listening. A transcript of this episode, or any of Meet the Leader's sister podcasts, Radio Davos or the Book Club podcast, can be found online at wef.ch podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review us. We would love to hear from you. This episode of Meet the Leader was produced and presented by me, with studio production by Juan Toran, and studio engineering by Gareth Nolan. That's it for now. I'm Linda Lucina with the World Economic Forum. Have a great day.